What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain, and joining me as always, my boy from Boston, Christian Nambu. We are back to talk some NBA basketball. We took a bit of a, an extended break over the Christmas, but uh, we're back now, and we're going to discuss some two uh, very interesting teams this year and for the future. The o- Oklahoma City Thunder, what should they be doing with their treasure trove of picks? Are they under pressure to make a move? The Indiana Pacers, how good have they been this year? How can they develop this squad? And are they going to be sellers in this trade market? And we'll also take a quick look at some potential buyers and sellers and maybe some interesting players that could be available ahead of the trade deadline. We're going to start with the Thunder. But first of all, Chris, been a while. How you doing? It's good, man. It's been, uh, I, I hate to say this because I say it every year, but you got to say it. It's been a year since I saw you, man. You, you look good. <laughs> You're glowing. I see. Uh, I love that we're doing right now a Thunder and Pacers podcast. And you got on a shirt there with every big market team known to man. You got, what do you got there? Golden State, New York, Chicago. Oh, I, I guess Phoenix is a little interesting there. But uh, we got we got to represent our small market teams today. But I'm I'm excited. I'm very happy to talk about these two teams. I don't think we've talked about them enough. I don't think the league has talked about them enough. And uh, they're both in a really interesting spot. And I think we can learn a lot about uh, where they're going to be at after this spot. Yeah, for sure. Let's get right into it with OKC. I mean, they're they're still 18 and 22, so they're not really they're not doing anything absolutely unbelievable or amazing, but. This is a team we thought were going to tank again this year after their their top uh, draft pick from last year uh, got injured. He wasn't going to, Chet Holmgren not going to be playing at all this year. I think everyone instantly thought they'll be right down there with the Rockets and the Spurs, but instead they're they're a team that's that's winning. It's been on the back of Shea Gilch Alexander really breaking out into stardom, and they're eighteen and twenty two. They're only two games back on the playoffs and only a game and a half back on the play-in. So if the Lakers are in the conversation for those two things, it's hard to say that the OKC Thunder aren't right there with them. Yeah, this is it's just, this is a necessary sidetrack. But if you, you just look right now at the Western Conference, it's just impossible what to make of it. The Suns have obviously had a crazy slide in 2021. Timberwolves, we already know what's been going on there. The Blazers, since we've been hyping them up, they're now down 19 and 20. So like the Thunder, 18 and 22 – like all it takes for any of these teams, they just go on a little bit of a little bit of slide and they're all the way out and or a little bit of a tear and they're all the way in. You said it. They're five games back from the Mavs. We're at 23 and 18 sitting in the fourth spot. Nobody's comfortable there. And I think the Thunder, I mean, they really embodied like what it is to be a young developing team. And they've taken it to everybody this year. I mean, they've they've taken it to every team. They're never a team night in, night out that um, opponents are expecting to just beat easily and they have confidence in themselves. They have one of the most surprising, and I think probably going to lead uh, the most improved player discussion this year. And Shea Gilgis Alexander, who has a very good argument to be in the all NBA this year. And everything just comes behind him. And we'll, we'll talk about their other players as well, but we, we have highlighted him before, but he's just continued an amazing, amazing season this year. And I think it's time to discuss what they're going to do. Like this is, this isn't a tanking. This isn't a traditional tanking team, even though they're they're third in the West. I think they could push if they wanted to. But I guess the big question is, should they? Are they going to be a team that's patient at the trade deadline? I think that's maybe an easier answer. But what do you think? 
Yeah, that's that's going to be the the really interesting question because it, it's it's all about what sort of mentality Shea has, how much control they want to give Shea Gilchrist Alexander. Almost, can they say to him, "Look, we want to get a better look at the team with Chet Holmgren in it." rather than make a make a big move right at this moment to kind of get us closer to competing. I know like is that what they can say to him? Can he will he be happy with that? That's kind of what it all it all comes down to really how ambitious Shea wants to be at this moment and is he willing to remain patient with this OKC team? I think for the most part it's likely it'll work out either way, I think. I think Shea is that talented. He could make a move to another team potentially and he could be a competitor or he could wait it out with OKC and lead them back into being a, a year-on-year playoff competitor like they were with, uh, with, with Russell Westbrook. I think I think for SGA, he's there's been no news about it and... From what we hear from the beat, everyone seems very, very, fairly confident that he's not the kind of guy to, to push out. And for all the the clamoring that uh, we've seen from the Raptors in the past couple of years and their fan base and freeing SGA, that doesn't seem like the situation that uh, they're that's really ready to pop either. But I think the interesting thing in the way that they've played the season is what you've seen from Mike Muscala and Pokachevsky. And Pokachevsky has actually had a pretty solid season. Like last year, I think Poku looked like. At first, he was an interesting player, and then we realized, okay, this is not an NBA guy. But this year, he has looked legitimately like an NBA guy. He looks like a, you know, a rotation big, but a guy who's going to do so many different things. He's able to defend the paint. He's able to switch. He's able to play inside out. He's able to put the ball on the floor and play make for others. He's a very smart player. And he's kind of like that prototype of what they want out of Chet Holmgren. And I think they've been able to kind of get an idea of what their future will look like alongside Chet with having a spacing big like Muscala, having this little uh, defender, playmaker, and Poku. They're not the perfect version of what they're meant to be like they hope Chet is going to be. But I think they've they've at least gotten an interesting look at uh, what, the, what kind of the foundation of this future will be. And it's been fascinating to watch. When it, when it works, it works. I mean, the past uh, five games, a uh, couple of games, I think, a couple of games ago, I checked, and their offensive rating when they go on tears, one twenty point six for the year. They're they're solid, one around one fourteen, but this is a team that still does not have the shooting around it to make it work. They don't have the traditional big, but they're really making it work with with kind of the the future of the NBA, which is positionless basketball, no real bigs, switching everything, and having multiple ball handlers and Giddy and SGA. I mean, those are two. That's that's the future there. And I, I think they've done a lot this season to, to prove like a proof of concept that they can make something work out of what they have right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, you nailed on the head there. They're a team that they're, they're, they're really still looking for consistent, solid uh, rebounding and, and legit three point shooting. That's kind of the two things that they they've got to be looking for out there in the market, whether that's through draft or through trades with other teams, but they're just that traditional team that go fast and play hard every single night. They're they're eighth in points per game and they're fourth in pace. So 
when it, it's it's that sort of situation when it works it works when it doesn't they're still going to give a team a game. That's that's the way that it's going to be. And there's not too much pressure on anyone going out there thinking that they have to win because they're still a, a, a rebuilding team. I mean, they've got 10 first-round picks between 2023 and 2027. They they got to do so. The, my thing is with that is it's it's crazy, and it's it's been like a meme. It's been like a joke. And eventually, when do you cash that out, though? Like, I think there's always a some imagination that they would come across a guy like I mean, who knows if they they luck into Webinyama. So if they if they don't end up making a midseason push, if if other teams round out and the the Western Conference standings run out the way that it probably should, and they're in the lottery, but they don't get get a top four pick. You know that they've got kind of the 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 one the one B two-way kind of guy. Like I, I envision Shea as maybe not the best player on a championship team, but second best player on a championship. And I know I, I hate using that because that's been used against guys like Booker, against guys like Levine and, and Butler. And it's, it's a little bit arbitrary, but when you imagine like stacking talent um, and we'll talk about this with the Pacers too, because I think we've kind of evolved in how we've looked at teams recently and how teams are building, whether they need to be balanced or you need to find big stars, or you're just trying to hit a home run and get a LeBron in the draft. I mean, that's kind of what we envision with Thunder having a million picks like this, but are they going to hit that? Like, are they just going to keep waiting? Because I, I don't think the conversation is right now where Shea wants out. Like, that doesn't seem to be a thing. But for them to be, I, I don't even know what year rebuild this is at this point. Is it five, year five, year six, year seven from moving on from, from, no, no, no. I think from Russ? That, that Russ seems. And PG. When did Russ and PG break up? That's. Is that, four? that feels like so long ago. That's 2019. It's only four years. Yeah, well, that's that, when PG that's went. Did, did Russ stay around for another year? I don't think so. Did they both go the no. same year? They both Kawhi, went the same Kawhi year. Kawhi went to the Clippers. That's when Paul George went to the Clippers. I think Russ went to Houston then as well. Yeah, my, my memory's failing me here. But what I do remember, and I think is a lesson to this, is the Celtics were in a similar situation where they had a treasure trove of picks. And, you know, you look at where they're at now, and they invested pretty heavily and they got Kyrie, they got Horford. They really invested in building around the players that they drafted with their own picks, but the picks that they ended up, you know, getting from the nets, like that, they, they never really leaned into a massive move. Like the, I think they were a little bit too conservative. I think if you look back, you know, maybe there's, there's something to be done with those picks uh, before, you know, they didn't become anything. And for a team like the Thunder, I, I think, one sign of developing maturity of a team is defense. You know, last year, I mean, they were just abysmal. You could score anything on them. And I think one of the biggest surprises for the Thunder this season is their defense is really underrated. And you're talking about defense that it's currently 11th defensive rating. They're, they're clearly above average defense. And right now they're second in forced turnovers per game. They're 12th in opponents assists per game. And I think those are both really great markers of the disruption they create for opposing offenses. When you watch the games, it totally makes sense. They're putting five guys out, five guys out there that are incredibly smart, very active in passing lanes. And they have a model for a defense that I think works. And I think that speaks to a team that's ready to be competitive, not a team that's necessarily ready to just keep drafting guys. So I, I'm curious if, if you know, you got Chet, if you really believe in Chet, if you really believe in SGA, if you believe that Giddy will continue to develop offensively, 
um, I think there there's some there's some argument to be made that they should be active this offseason, that they should start using those picks to fill out this roster as opposed to waiting for a home run kind of draft pick situation. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely true. Obviously, it's tough to say because they haven't got to see what Chet's going to look like on the floor yet. But they obviously they know what talents he has. They know what they saw when they drafted him this this past year. So they can't be afraid to to be willing to make these sort of moves. Not necessarily say make a move for a guy that's that could harm Chet's position on the team, but make a move for the type of guy that you need in a competitor. They're the big holes in their team are legit shooting and rebounding. There's guys out there that they could acquire for a couple of those first round draft picks that they have. And that would be a smart move. They can't just wait for those guys to go to other situations where it's going to make it hard for them to, to make a deal. You look at potentially, you could argue a guy like healed, but there's other, other guys out there that are more suited to this situation that they can look at and they have to be brave and they have to be willing to, at least put their their hat in the ring for these uh, for these sort of talents that are out there because you can't do everything through the draft. You can get really lucky in the draft, as we saw with the Celtics getting Brown and then Tatum. They've built around that since then. But you can't do it all through the draft, and you have to be smart, and you have to be always always on the phone and looking, looking to make deals, and that, that has to start, if not at the trade deadline, definitely this offseason. Yeah, and crazy thought obviously enters my head, and this is nothing legitimate. I'm not saying this will happen, but we're going to talk about Miles Turner and the the silent drama that's ensuing with him not, um, you know, accepting any trade extent or uh, contract extensions. Is he could be available this off season? I think the best fit at the end of the day is in Indiana where he is now. But imagine the front court of Miles Turner and Chet Holmgren. I mean that he'd be entering a new situation, like the another situation that he's in now. But um, just just a fun idea, a thought of, of guys that they could chase with with the money they'll have and with the picks they have as well. Um, but you're talking about Chet. I want you to put out there your prediction for him because uh, we were talking about what he'll what he'll contribute to next year and what this team could you know hope to be after seeing the growth that they've seen this year adding Chet. But stand by what you said. What what do you think his his rookie season next year will look like? I figured out there that he could could instantly come in and be a fifteen ten uh one and a half block game sort of player. I think he's got that talent. You did make a good point in fighting back at me that he might not be playing at the center. He might not be in at the rim enough to to get those rebounding numbers, but. We've seen guys with that are smaller than him, maybe slightly more athletic, but we've seen other guys that have that you wouldn't consider some of the best rebounders in this league. They've they've done it in their rookie year. They've got ten boards, the likes of Aiton, Carl Anthony Towns. I think Blake Griffin might have done it as well. There was a lot of guys who have achieved that in their rookie year. The Thunder really need that out of Chad. Obviously, it's a lot to expect out of a rookie, but when you he he knows he doesn't have to be the the lead scorer on the team. That's going to be SGA. And that's where I see he could have a bit more of that impact on the rebounding end. Maybe a bit more realistic is somewhere around the, the 15 and 8 and maybe near either side of one block a game. Maybe that's a little bit more realistic. But I believe in Chet Holmgren. I think he's going to be a really talented player in this league. So I, I'm going to expect big things from him right off the bat. 
Yeah, and I think I I maybe went a little bit too overboard on on doubting that because when I started to look into some previous uh, rookie seasons, I thought it was interesting to to compare him to some similar guys. Um, and you look at Mobley. Mobley did 15, 8, 1.7 blocks. And Jaron Jackson Jr. Good exp- uh, comparison there now. Yeah, I think so. And Jaron Jackson, 13.8, 4.7 rebounds, 1.4 blocks. Um, you look at Garnett, average 10.6 rebounds, 1.6 blocks. Um, KP, 14.7.3 rebounds, 2 blocks. And I think I think Chet will absolutely be – I mean, he'll be a block machine, an absolute block machine from the get-go. Like, he's pro- – don't take my word for it, anyone's word for it. Like, the best scouts in the league have constantly said that he's got the best – instincts as a rim protector they've ever ever scouted and it totally comes up on tape but i love the example of thinking about mobley is because you looked at the Cavs and having smart bigs like um like uh mobley and having him out there alongside um jared allen is the name that was escaping me there jared allen and Adam mobley those guys in the front court what they do not just in terms of protecting the paint but for creating offense for their guards, the way that they're able to pass, the way that they're able to help on rotations, the way that they are able to play in the post. And they're just completely fluid on that team. They've totally unlocked that team from the get-go once they started working together in Mobley's uh, rookie year. And I can see a similar situation where Chet Holmgren comes into the Thunder and his play unlocks what this team can do to another level. Like they, they don't have a guy with his size, with his, his passing ability out of the post. They don't have a guy who can really range around and protect the rim. And for, for them to not have a real rim protector, but to be 11, the defensive rating, I mean, that's impressive in and of itself. Adding Chet Holmgren to that mix could make them, I mean, a borderline elite defense. Uh, that That's tough to say for a team like this right now. But, I mean, really, I don't see that being out of the question. And... And again, when you look at that prospect, when you when you if you have those expectations, and if we're feeling this way, I'm sure Thunder fans feel a million times more this way. And people in that front office that believed in Chad, that drafted him, believe this way as well. I think it's time to invest. Maybe not at the trade deadline, but if there is a trade deadline move that you can get ahead of the offseason and you're going to start really putting things together next season and building out, why not? Why not take some swings? If there are contracts out there, if there are guys out there that make sense to add to this team, like why keep just waiting for a draft guy, a question mark at best for the future? That's how I see it. Yeah, no, I think uh, I 100% agree. And I think the Thunder, if you're a Thunder fan, you're hoping that the front office uh, and even the coach and everything, everyone kind of sees it sees it that way as well. They they, they know what they need. They, they've potentially got the star if, if Shea's stardom this level of scoring this clutch play if that's here to stay yeah add hunger into that the potential that Giddy can improve again he's a guy he's still a very young player you know he's going to improve year on year that's very much a, a core worth worth building around and, and investing in so yeah get get Okay, see boys, get get right on it, guys. Get right on it. How do you feel about the Pacers? Pretty similar. Yeah, obviously they haven't got we we mentioned they haven't got the the treasure trove uh, as uh, OKC have in terms of picks, but they're arguably in a slightly better position in terms of what they've got already. 
But what they're doing this year is just unbelievable. I mean, they're 23 and 18. They are six in the Eastern Conference. And they're five and a half games clear of 11th place. So you're kind of thinking, barring an injury to Halliburton, there's a very, very good chance, maybe 85% chance that they're going to at least be in the play in this year. And I think we all were predicting them to be one of the tankers. They we were all like, oh, this, they're, they're finally going to get their first oh, yeah. ever number one pick <laughs> and they're finally yeah. going to be Webanyama, all that sort of stuff. But now it's looking completely opposite. They're going to be the, the shock team that if they don't make the playoffs, they're going to get pretty damn close to it. And it's crazy. The craziest part of it all, they're five and a half games clear of 11th place Toronto Raptors. And if you told me the start yeah. of the year, 40 games in, that they were going to be five and a half games clear of the Raptors, uh, I would have thought, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, and to put some uh, surprising stats to perspective here, um, what they're doing offensively, they're the number one fast break team in the league. Fifth in assists per game, and I think that's that's not just um, a product of Halliburton being the best passer in the league right now, besides Jokic. That's also a product of how they've really moved the ball in the perimeter, and which has led to them also being a top five three point shooting team. They're just a, a fun modern offense, and simply put, the way they do it, and they've quickly come together. And I think this is not giving enough credit to how they built this team because all the pieces fit perfectly together for what they're trying to do. Um, and this is just bringing me to the question of they're, they've already brought themselves out of a tanking position. They're already in the middle. Obviously it's good to be in the middle when you have young players, because you assume that you're going to grow from that. But I think there's a little bit of pressure here because you got the pressure to trade Turner. That was going to be a lot easier when the team was projected to be bad trade healed, same situation. And you have Turner betting on himself here, declining his extension. And specifically, I, I think this is a big question, is what do you do with Miles Turner? He's having the best shooting year. I mean, he's, he's healthy this season, which is the biggest thing. He's, he's not enjoyed a lot of health over the past four years. He's having his best shooting year. He's playing his natural position at the center, looking like a great screen and roller, looking like a he's always been a great pick and pop. But for him to demonstrate that he can be a viable option in the pick and roll as well he's done a lot i mean he's keeping their their defense afloat as well being a little bit below average right now but he is really the driving force of what they're able to do defensively do you keep him around do you pay him that money i mean i i think he'll probably make north of 25 like he'll, he'll approach 30 million a year um with the way the market's looking is it worth it to do that it's so tough for them because he is a tough player to find in terms of the the rim protection that he provides and the fact that their defense is very much built around him. It's kind of not to the same extent, but it's kind of not too dissimilar to what we saw with kind of Gobert in uh mm. in, in Utah. So I mean the the path is clear why why you'd pay him, why you wouldn't want this guy playing on another team, but at the same time it's a lot of money to be paying the guy that you could argue won't be a top two player on this team, mm. maybe even a year or two from now. That's that's yeah. where it's it's a tough decision. They're they're kind of between a, a rock and a hard place. The the front office and whether or not they want to want to pay Miles Turner the money. But for me, I think 
there's a good chance that they could find another couple of pieces maybe to to have a more well-rounded defense rather than paying him the money and then not having that money to be able to to spend on on, uh, on other positions and other players that's that's where i think it will put them that that if he's a, if they they're, they're being forced to play 25 30 million i think they might have to to just say we we'd love to keep you but i don't think we can pay you so they would if they end up you don't want to lose him for nothing. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's a tough situation to be in. Um, and if anything, perhaps you you sign and trade, he'd be happy with that. They can offer him the most money. Um, but they'd be – it's it's so interesting in these situations because it's like you, you end up trading a guy because you want to make sure you have flexibility. You want to have financial flexibility with young core. And it's tough because you see a lot of teams, and I'd say the Bulls are a prime example of this actually, when they traded – Jimmy Butler, um, and they they didn't want to build more around him after the experiments that they did with Dwayne Wade and Rondo. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you having flexibility for flexibility sake, where do you go with that? Because you just created a massive hole in trying to find a rim protector and finding a modern big. A modern big and a guy like Miles Turner who can protect the rim, who can really match offensively. Like he has fantastic chemistry with their guards and where do you find that that doesn't just grow on trees yeah you're gonna have to look in the draft or you're gonna have to pay for one and obviously it hurts to, to pay that much for him and you you question i think the the classic thing to talk about these days is when it comes to these contracts is you don't want to pay centers the centers is such a is such a um a low value contract to be handing out max deals to um, you just saw the Suns do it. They suffered through that, which ironically, the Pacers were the ones who were trying to get him. Mm-hmm. But would you argue that Miles Turner right now is a more valuable player than DeAndre Ayton? I think the way he's playing at the moment and the the fact that he's more in a situation where you know what you're going to get from him, whereas Ayton can still have those those times where he's that little bit of a question mark. I think you could definitely make that argument, yeah. Yeah, it's it's obviously they're they're very different players the way they play, and so it's it's not to be a it's not to be a who's better than, but I think it's the what they contribute to their teams is so huge, and what Aiton's making is reflective of the fact that the Suns are competing for a championship. They need to keep that together, but I think it's also really important to if you have got something that's that's going well for two young players and Ben Matherin and Tyrese Halliburton. I, that needs to be protected as well. The, the ecosystem they've developed on the court and off the court to have a, a really talented guy like Turner not be a locker room problem and and be a solid guy there and to complement what those guys do on the floor, that's not easy to find. And, that, and I know from a front office perspective, like having flexibility is important when you're building around a young team, but it's... I think there might be some value in it. It's a conservative move and it would probably be maligned if he just gets his massive contract and then they, they don't end up getting much better. But I, I, again, when we talk about the, uh, the thunder in the same way where you have got, you have a system that has proven it can work. You have young guys who are ahead of schedule. Why wait? And this is the thing too. They don't have a treasure trove of trove of picks, but they have three first round picks this season. They have theirs, they have the Celtics, and they have uh, the Cavs. So they have three. Why not make a move? 
Yeah. Why why not why not solidify yourselves here? Because you're not they're not going to be like you said they're not going to be in the plan and they're not going to be picking in the lottery. They're not going to be make, making any more really ch- game changing picks. But if you argue that in the next five years you're going to have the top five point guard and you have a shooting guard who I think he's not the runaway rookie of the year, but he's looking like top rookie of the year. He's looking like one of the best score. NBA athletes. Like when you see Mathurin on the floor, like he sometimes he feels like most of the time he's the best best athlete on the floor. Like if it's not to the level of of necessarily like an Anthony Edwards type dominance, but at very often he's the best athlete on the floor. And he's in his first year, he's averaging what is he's is he now at still 19 points per game? He, uh, his shooting's taking a little bit of a dip. Down to 17. Down to 17. But that, that Terry is on 43%. Yeah. 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 All day. Yeah. And for the first half of the season, um, they had the I think of the second best bench of the league because of him. And that, that's that's a talent too that I, I don't think is is getting enough credit for what that could be in a few years' time. Because with the base of that athleticism and the shooting that he's shown, I mean that that's gonna take maturity to grow because he's a very aggressive player. But all that to say, like they got something here, and I think Turner's a big part of it. I'm not ready to see that necessarily just go just because it's a big contract. I mean, you have, you have money for a reason. Yeah, I mean you got to be willing to pay your guys. I think the the health side is something we're kind of yeah forgetting about a little bit with Turner. That's that could also have a big impact. But he is always a big part of this team for the last few years. Even when he, he is isn't healthy, you you notice the impact. So you maybe you can. It is tough to do when you're the front office and you're having to make these big decisions to kind of take that element out of it. But you know what sort of big impact he has and they're going to have to get something big in return if they're not going to be able to uh, to commit to, to Miles Turner being a part of the, the future with this team. But in terms of in terms of like a backcourt, it kind of, it's so soon to say this, but it almost feels like they could be pretty well well sorted in terms of the back court and now it's just a question of getting that front court right you look at like Halliburton's just been unbelievable this year he's 24 and 10 leading the league in assist 56 40 89 splits Matherin looking like a legit scorer off the bench he's had 15 games scoring 20 or more Nemfred and McConnell they're looking like like Nemfred he's only a rookie as well he's looking like he could be a he's, really good roti- rotation yeah. piece if not more oh, yeah. McConnell is a really solid uh, backup for for Halliburton and then you kind of just look at the rest of the team you're kind of thinking can can Jalen Smith can he improve his rebounding can he get that bit closer to uh, to Miles Turner in terms of his rim protection can Duarte stay healthy, can he become that legit three-point shooter? Those are the ones where you still have the question mark, but that's where you can make yeah, you can make the moves to kind of build around what they, they've they already got in, in their backcourt. Yeah. Man, I Chris Duarte, though, that, that's a big, big disappointment. Big mm-hmm. disappointment for me. Cheating um, 27% from three. Yeah. I I thought he was gonna be like a like a Danny Green almost like he's he was gonna become this knockdown three and D type player. Um, but he's outplayed by Demhart. That's the that that's the thing. When you you draft these older players, man, you better hope that they're they're NBA ready and this is who they're gonna be, because then 
you know, it's, it's harder, it's harder to argue that they're, that something like that's going to continue to improve, but just staying on the positive, like Nemhard, I, I definitely want to talk about him for being a late round first round pick. I mean, he's got to be one of the biggest like uh, draft surprises this yeah. season. Like he's been fantastic out dueling Curry, uh, that game winner against uh, Golden State, you know, defending LeBron, like he's done everything. And just the way that he competes and the and how smart he is. And that's a really fascinating thing about the Pacers um, and how they're constructed. They have a lot of smart players. This is why it doesn't feel like a, a young team. It doesn't feel like a rookie team. It doesn't feel like a team that needs a couple years to start to figure it out. Like they're figuring it out. They're they're right there. Um and a reclamation project that I love. You're finally seeing flashes from Neesmith, Aaron Neesmith, who's yeah, yeah. really, really leaned into his athleticism after, uh, you know, he came into the league, he's supposed to just be the shooter. And he's a very athletic guard who can, you know, when he's, when he's able to just get confident in shooting. And I, I don't know if this is just a long, a long game thing for him, but he's, he's had an improved shot this year. And it's been something we've been waiting for. I th- I don't think he's the future answer there in terms of like the starting three. I think they need someone with legitimate size um, and who can you know do a little bit more on the ball. That's something that they're missing. But he's another guy that's proven to be a rotation guy. So there, there's guys in the team. Even even Goga. I think I think Goga's shown that he's he's been a solid rotation piece at times. That there there's too much I think working out here. And the, the question marks is more maybe who's going to continue on with this team as as they continue to get better. But I think a lot of people have, have made a good case. Like you're, it's it's a good problem to have when you have flashes of productivity across your roster, and you know you're not just throwing people out there and seeing if they work. You've you've seen a lot of production already throughout the season. Yeah, it's really starting to become clear why why Rick Carlisle became a. Uh came the coach of his Pacers team. That was a question mark. Big surprise, had. right? We were all, we were kind of like, <laughs> why did Carlisle take this job? It's going to be like a rebuild sort of thing over the next four or five years. It's uh, it's slowly uh, quickening up the process and making a uh, making a bit more sense with uh, with with every game, which is uh, which is always good to see. Yeah, I'd love to see them be active in the in the trade deadline here. We're going to talk about the trade deadline here um, coming up, but. Is there anyone in particular you think might help this team? Ooh, it's tough. It's tough to see where they go. It's kind of who are the most likely suitors for Turner and Heald. That's kind of the those are the only two I realistically see them. Yeah, are you, you're going in the around. in the tank the the tank route kind of the the lake the Lakers route. Yeah, I, I I'm thinking the other way. In what in what sense? You go then. You go. I I keep seeing Boyan out there. I keep seeing Jay Crowder out there, and the, Jay Crowder is just being th- thrown the, every which way. I, I think the the last um, legitimate report that came out was talks for Jalen McDaniel's from the Hornets, um, which is fine. But I think for for a wing like uh, Boyan, I mean, he fits exactly what the Pacers are doing. He's also familiar with the Pacers organization. It will hurt to it'll be weird to to have that reunion for sure, but what are you going to do with that, that Celtics pick? You, you Are you going to pick 29th, 28th with that? For what? Are you going to pick 25th with the Cavs pick? Like they're asking for a first-round pick, and I think they'd be happy to to walk away with a, a late first-round pick for Boyan. And I think that 
it's it's funny they they sent him away imagining that the Pacers would eventually become a a team that was going to be you know rebuilding for a while but he fits what they do i mean he's he's a he's a guy that's going to attack switches this guy that has some post game this guy that passes very well he's not been great defensively uh for detroit but i i think that's the symptom of the type of team he's playing on now but as a shooter i mean he's still a really good offensive player and i think for the Pacers to lean into the formula that they're doing right now, why not get another productive player to to put around Halliburton to to put around their young guards? Yeah, Dodd, I could be. I think he's averaging over. Is he averaging over twenty points per game still with the with Detroit? I think he's somewhere around that mark. And obviously, he won't have the ball in his hands as much. He won't have as much opportunity with uh, with the Pacers. But to add a guy capable like that to a team where. Matherin is still a growing score. Halliburton is a pass first type of uh type of guard. That could be crucial if they're looking to sustain their push for the play-in slash playoffs this year. I didn't actually think of that, but I think that's a that's a great that's a great shout out of you there, Chris. I lo- I love that. Yeah, and I know like I know a trade idea like that would be totally like shot down. It's like, wow, you trade a first round pick for a point because like we've seen that, and I, I can't think of exact examples off the top of my head. I'm trying to think of, of teams who have been doing this. And I think the Thunder is actually uh, one of them. But you have so many picks in the first round. You're not going to develop all those guys. And what are you going to do with that late first round pick? Like nobody is moving big pieces right now. You're not going to cash them in for anything crazy. And I think that's actually great value for where you're at right now. Because it's not like you're you're not like the eighth seed trying to make it to the sixth. You're the sixth seed and trying to to – keep your position there you're trying to really make a push and this is a guy that's clearly still productive in his years i I think that a first round pick for two three years of a good bojan uh on this three-point shooting team i mean that's that's a match in heaven defensively maybe not so much but seems like they're doing okay on that end yeah exactly they're they're right in the middle of the pack there i think they're four they're right in the middle of the pack overall the pacers 14th offense 14th defense Net rating of zero, just fairly, uh, fairly, fairly standard. Uh, to, but in terms of trade deadline, I look at it and I think the, there's going to be the major buyers and then a couple of major sellers. I look at the buyers, I'm thinking, obviously the Lakers, Dallas could are be they? in there, and I think the Miami Heat are a team that could could surprise and look to to make a move with the way their season is going. I don't know what move there is there to make because they obviously need to add more scoring to the team, which is Butler's kind of been in and out of it. Heroes obviously having a great year. They need to add more scoring. Dallas, obviously, we all know the issue there. Everyone says it. Luca need Luca just needs more help. Uh they call him the pace uh, the Mavericks the worst team in basketball when Luca when Luca is not on uh not on the floor and not playing. So they're gonna be interested. The Lakers Obviously, the the little run that they've made kind of doesn't make them as desperate as they maybe once were, but you have to think they're still going to be looking to make some potential moves. And then you look at the sellers, you're thinking, I look at the Raptors. They're a team that I think they're in a position where they don't want to completely blow it up, but also they know this season's not gone to plan. They've got their couple of young guys that, aren't in a position where they're going to think and we need to compete right now. So maybe this is the time to have a little 
small little uh, sort of rebuild then I think the Pacers as well will be a team that could potentially look to sell possibly Turner I think Heald is definitely a guy that's going to be on the market and then maybe the Spurs are a third team that obviously they're they're going straight for the tank and maybe a guy like uh, a Josh Richardson or a Jacopoto maybe they'll finally uh, lower their uh, demands for Poto and, and, and he'll be gone but it's going to be interesting to see if it plays out like this. Obviously, we saw some surprise teams end up making big moves at the deadline last year. I'm not too sure who that that could possibly be this year. Dude, Josh Richardson is running out of space in his closet to fit every jersey that he's worn over the past six years. <laughs> I I can't even remember like how many different teams it's been now. It's like this poor guy. Can he just does he find a home? Dude hasn't owned a home in a decade. Um, <laughs> but. I, I want to put a couple things to bed here. We, we're going to have a couple weeks to talk about the trade deadline, but I do want to talk uh, Raptors. And I, I think that this is classic. This is classic big market. And you you always see it's always Lakers sources like saying stuff like, Lakers interested in Zach Levine. Lakers interested in Miles Turner. Like, yeah, they're interested. And it's it's just a constant slew of trying to create leverage and, and stir up um, trade rumors. And I, I think actually when, when you look at the Raptors and how they performed, it's been super disappointing for sure. They've had a lack of development from Scotty Barnes. Um, you've had a really down year from Fred Van Vliet. Um, Siakam's looked like uh, all, all NBA player, albeit at the expense of uh, Fred not feeling as comfortable. And, you know, maybe the team is still really adjusting to Siakam fully asserting himself in the guy kind of role. But are they really going to be sellers? And they have the easiest strength of schedule for the rest of the season. They still have a lot of hope here. I mean, in the in the last, I think, five or six games, they're outscoring opponents nine points per 100 possessions. And they've had plenty of spurts where they, you know, that that's all it takes for teams like this. You you give them a shimmer of what they should be. And they, they prove that, you know, they once they regress back to the mean and they're playing the way that they should, that they're a top six team in the East, which I thought they'd be. But I, it seems like the only player who's really on their um, on the sellers list here is Gary Trent Jr. Because they, they have a lot of issues for this offseason. Fred Van Vliet clearly wants to get paid. Gary Trent Jr. also has a player option. Both those guys do. OPJ also has a player option. Um, she was extension eligible. You know, th- there's a lot that they have to do on their books here. So getting Gary Trent Jr. off the books, that makes sense. I don't think they're moving anybody else. I, I really don't. I, I think they're they're going to be pretty confident that they're going to be able to make a push again with the easiest strength of schedule for the rest of the season. That they can reassert themselves and get into the play-in at least, and really make another run. They're not afraid of anybody. Like they've proven that over the past couple of years, especially the way they played against uh, Philly last year. They got a taste of that, and I, I think it's been a disappointing start to the season. But I think they're in for a big comeback the second half here and they are not going to sell yeah i think that that's fair it was always a, a one that could go either way obviously it's been it's been rumored more than anything that they're going to be sellers they're going to they're going to blow it up if not fully definitely be a partial blow up. but i think gary Trent jr is absolutely a guy that a number of teams would love to get especially if the the raptors are keen to to part ways with him as well. They could possibly get a good deal. I mean, he's going to be 24 to start next season. 
He's an 18-point-per-game scorer on 52, 37-81 splits. This is a guy who can be an, a second option on on some teams uh, or a third option and, and a really good one at that. He can become an, uh, an elite three-point shooter and he can be that really strong scoring option. And he's the kind of the type of player that the Mavericks would really love to add. I don't know what way they'd be able to, what they'd give up to be able to get him, and that, that would be a, a good deal for, for the Raptors. But he is really almost the archetype of a, of a player that they're looking at to pair with alongside Luka Doncic. Yeah, it, it's a it's an odd situation like this because I'm glad you brought it up because I, I wanted to talk that too. You know the the Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, rumors and also the Karis LeVert rumors. Um, and it, it feels very, <laughs> and this would not be the first time they did this. Like the, the Mavs, um, trading away toys they don't like for toys someone else doesn't like, um, a la Porzingis for Spencer Dinwiddie, who ended up being awesome. So if that worked out, um, look out, Karis LeVert, uh, he looked like an all-star at one point. Maybe we'll do that again if, if they trade that, because that's what makes literally no sense to me. Um, I, I actually look at Gary Trent Jr.'s stats and, you know, you can argue he's he's a marginally better three point shooter, um, at least as a, as far as his recent career has gone. Um, but it seems like he has up and down years. I don't know. They, these three guys are just that perfect archetype of a streaky shooter who's not particularly efficient, and they're making pretty much right around the same money. So does everyone? Why, why don't we all just swap? Uh, inefficient shooting wings and uh, see who ends up happy and we'll see what happens because all, all of them have and then the one thing though with, with uh, Tim Hardaway Jr uh, so Gary Trent has that player option so you obviously assume he's going to take that 18 mil I don't think that people will pay him much more than that um, however Karis LeVert is an expiring that's an expiring 18 million a lot of teams would want that um, Tim Hardaway Jr though is making a little bit more and still has another year on top of that. So I don't, when I see all these rumors about, um, and this is Mavs fans committing this, the same folly that the Lakers have been doing for years now, is just assuming that you can just make trades that work. And why the hell would the Cavs want basically the same exact player, maybe a little bit worse on a worse contract for longer? Like that, they would never do that. I, I don't see that happening. Maybe maybe this is a trade that uh, that you see happen between the, the Raptors and Cavs and there's some other swap there, but all three of these guys seem to be in a very interesting, like very similar situation, like not playing as well as they should for these teams, not particularly efficient and not contributing to what their team needs them to do. Do they do it on another team? Maybe just change, change of scenery. Maybe Gary Trent needs to, he, he loves the Dallas team. Maybe he'd fare a little bit better there. Who knows? I mean, I, I believe in Gary Trent Jr. I think he could offer more than, than Tim Hardaway Jr. I think he has the potential to be a more efficient scorer. I think him playing alongside Luka Doncic, I'm not saying he's going to be the same type of presence that Jalen Brunson was, but he's the kind of guy that is able to score without the ball in his hands. He's he's going to be able to cover some of the scoring when, when Luka's not there that others aren't able to do and that Tim Hardaway has shown he's not able to do on a consistent level. I just think I, I, I like the fit. 
I I I like the fit, and I think that he has more talent than uh, than Tim Hardaway Jr. I think that could be a smart move. It wouldn't be the major move, maybe that they might need. But when Luke is your number one, with this guy as a second or third option, with alongside Dimwitty, that does add that bit more that they have been missing. Maybe it doesn't take them to the the level they need to be at to be competing for championships just yet, but. I think it'd be a good a good place for a good fit Gary Trent Jr. in in Dallas. Yeah, I and I I know there's probably more to this conversation we don't have time for it because I mean the, the Mavs figuring out what they need to figure out uh, as a team who were at the doorstep of an NBA championship last year. Um, you know, they and maybe some would argue that they got further than they should have, um, which is fair. That's an argument to be had. But they, I don't think they need gunners necessarily. They, they do need, they need more legitimate three and D players, and not, none of these guys are three and D players. And if they at least need a creator, someone who can do something off the dribble and put pressure on the rim, I think Karis is going to do that a lot more than Gary Trent. I, Gary Trent's going to do exactly what Tim Hardaway Jr. is doing, and you just hope you're hoping that he's going to be a, a better shooter than than him. And if he is, it's marginally better. It it just feels like you're you're kind of getting more of the same. And that's not changing the dynamic that's missing, which is that Jalen Brunson is, is the guy that is able to put pressure on defenses, is able to take advantage of the spacing that the the Mavs have created there. And there's yeah, this is this is probably a deeper conversation. Maybe there's more there's more guys. Boyan obviously would be a, a fantastic fit there, but how does that work? That, that's unlikely as well. But yeah, te- teams like the Mavs are in a tough spot. It, it's a very very uh, competitive and quiet trade market right now it seems like the asking prices are massive and never thought i'd be seeing boyan be what, what's he gonna net after after leaving the jazz two two first round picks but what I, i'm not even remembering what what, what that ended up going for but it's it's um it's gonna be tough it's gonna be really tough for the middling teams to come up with a trade that that's going to vault them out and that's why i really think we'll, we'll talk about lakers uh, another time but the those who are hopeful that they're going to do something crazy, I, I just don't, I don't see it. I, I don't see it. This this could be a quiet one amidst a lot of teams wanting to do the same exact thing. They're meant to have the big one last year, and then they didn't do it. I mean, it's almost like they've they've been too quiet. It's the Lakers. They gotta get a, they gotta get loud again. Here, finish off just a couple of quick fire players that I've been thinking about, and whether or not you think they they might be available or good additions. Is Kyle Kuzma a guy that you could see moving at the trade deadline? Who Lakers, but is that a guy that people will be inquiring about? He, it's it's difficult. Like he is, he's definitely shown to be productive when, especially when Beal is out, uh, especially when he gets the ball a lot. Um, and I think the question is, what what's the team? that wants to give him the ball as much as he needs in order to be that kind of productive player. Hmm. What's the team that, that wants that? It's, it's, it's a little bit similar to the Jeremy Grant situation. I think minus the fact that we watched Jeremy Grant defend LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the NBA playoffs. You haven't seen that from Kuzma. So a Jeremy Grant with less of a defensive notoriety is, I think, an overblown trade market asset. 
that's my negative take on it. I think he's had a, a great year. He's shown that he can score when you put the ball in his hands, but that's not a primary option guy. And especially in a, in a there's so many teams out there with with young burgeoning players that are are trying to take the next step and controlling the the reins of the offense. I don't think a lot of guys, a lot of teams out there are looking at Kuzma like, oh, if he's on our team, he's gonna blossom into a star. I think he's I think he stays put. And I think the the Wizards need to figure that out too, because they have such a glut of of guys who want to do the same thing. And Kuzma just happens to be the best one out of all of them right now, um, which is honestly kind of an un- unfortunate uh in the long run, an unfortunate outcome of all this because you you hoped it would have been one of the young guys but I, I i think that he might be a if he if they can get it for a cheap deal he might be a team that would be helpful for a guy who would be helpful for a team like the the mavs they, they do need another another creator the suns definitely need some more creation um those are two teams that come up uh in my mind um the lakers ironically um would really benefit from having more, more wing creation. Um, but yeah, he's in an interesting spot. I mean, he's a good player. It's not, not to say he's not a good player, but for, for players like him, I mean, guys like, like him, I feel like um, Julius Randall, Julius, Julius Randall just landed in like the perfect situation in New York where love it or hate it, he's there and that's his city. That's his team. And that's, that's his situation. But Kuzma seems to be in a situation now where like he's doesn't have a long-term home yet. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think I totally agree. That was the th- same thing that kept stumping me is just, just where and and who is that desperate to to get him in. And another outside one I was thinking of is is, is Eric Gordon still getting priced out of a move? Is he still <laughs> a guy that potential teams should 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 look at as a a guy coming off the bench that you know can can hit can hit a couple of shots during the game? Is he a guy that? competitors possibly should uh, should be looking to add i i for eric gordon's sake can we please get him out of there like every time i see a press conference from him it's it's so depressing uh this guy's just been a constant professional but then uh i think it was a couple weeks ago they they asked him about you know the defensive improvement uh from last year and he looked at him like deadpan and was like what improvement <laughs> there's there is no improvement but this poor guy needs to get out of there i I he, he's just on too big of a contract and that a dump like that um there was there was a way for that to work um for the Lakers but that time has passed that time has passed I don't even I'm not even sure if that that's the answer there but I I think he's just gonna he's gonna write it out and it'll be he'll be a a minimum deal guy I, I think he'll still be productive later on in his years I mean he's He's got fresh legs still. I mean, he doesn't have to really put in a, a serious effort there. But yeah, t- tougher, tougher Gordon, man. I I hate to see it happen. Yeah, it's not it's not been great. Everyone's kind of been hoping since it all blew up with uh with Russ and Harden and everything else that he would be able to get out of there too. But it obviously hasn't happened to him yet. But uh, I think think that's gonna do it for today's episode. It's uh good to be back. We'll have plenty more on potential trades ahead of the trade deadline in February. We'll definitely be talking more OKC Thunder and Indiana Pacers. It's been uh, really fun to kind of dive into them. Long may their success continue. Keep on keep an eye on those two. Those two are our two teams that you gotta you gotta keep an eye on. But thank you all so much for listening. It's great to be back. I'm Ronan Gain. My thanks to Christian Nambu for joining me. 
And remember, if you like what you're hearing, please follow and subscribe on all social media. We are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA. And remember, take every shot and love every moment. Peace out. Happy New Year's, everybody.